where we hear God's word. Uh, let me just uh, pray for us. Father God, as we, uh, as we have humbled ourselves before you, as we have sung to you, as we have prayed, come into your presence, for it's you who has invited us into your presence, Lord, we give you thanks. And now as we come uh, uh, to this time of of hearing your word, help us to come under your word. Lord, we we place ourselves humbly under the authority of your word. Lord, we desperately, desperately need to hear from you. You know our hearts. You know how wayward we are. You know our sins. And you know know that we, we desperately need you. Lord, so, so give us a thirst and a hunger to hear your word, and may you bless uh, this word. Lord, may, may, may what I say um, exalt you, may it glorify you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if, you, if you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, it's the second book of the New Testament. Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. This is a parable of Jesus. Hear God's word. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is the word of the Lord. There's something mysterious about the way things grow. When you think about how anything grows, it's, it's mysterious, isn't it? Uh, Suri and I, we, we, uh, as we just shared, we're, we're missionaries in West Africa and Senegal, and when we moved there uh, close to four years ago, we got a, a, an apartment, and we, uh, we noticed right outside of our window, right outside off our balcony, uh, there were some trees there, and then we, we saw this, this huge nest, this huge bird nest, and, uh, and we noticed that there were, what this bird nest, these, these uh, big birds, they're called kites, African kites, kind of think of like a hawk, uh, they were making this bird nest. They laid their eggs, and, and Suri and I, each day, we had the opportunity to see um, these little birds uh, hatch from their eggs and grow and grow until one day they flew away from their nest. And we had the, we had the opportunity, the, the, the wonderful opportunity to see these birds grow. I say we saw them grow. Really what we saw, though, were, 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 were frames, little freeze frames each day. Because when you think about it, we can't really see things grow. Think about, uh, I was thinking about how each Christmas or Thanksgiving, uh, all of us have 
nieces, nephews, well, cousins. Some of us have, most of us have nieces and nephews. And, you know, sometimes we see them once a year. Uh, and when you see them, I remember when I, when I would see my nieces and nephews or my cousins uh, one time a year, maybe twice, maybe twice a year, but I would notice how they grow. You know, I'd be like, oh, wow. You know, it's like you've, you've grown an inch or two. Or, uh, but, you know, if you, if you were their parents or one of their siblings, if you think about it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see them grow. You wouldn't notice their growth. Things grow slowly. Everything grows slowly. And things grow mysteriously. Do you know what else grows mysteriously? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God grows mysteriously. This morning, as we look at this parable from Mark's gospel, we're going to see that this is, this is exactly how Jesus describes the growth of the kingdom of God. It's a mysterious growth. In fact, it's, it's unobservable. And Jesus takes this, this parable, and he's, he's, at, he's actually he's sandwiched this parable in between two other parables that speak of seeds. And, and seeds were interesting for Jesus. He used them a lot to describe his kingdom. Most people at the time of Jesus in the first century, uh, most first century Jews, they had they already had an understanding, they had a, an expectation, if you will, of what the kingdom of God was going to be like. They, 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 they had high hopes. They had an expectation. But Jesus understood that the kingdom, his kingdom, was going to need some explanation. Why? Why was that? Because his kingdom was not going to fit their expectation. It was not going to line up with what they were expecting. And that's why often Jesus would, would say the kingdom of God is as if. The kingdom of God is as if. Jesus began several of his parables with these words, and, and the point was he was trying to illustrate the kingdom through, through metaphor, through simile. Jesus was a, was a master teacher, and he was a master of the metaphor. And so we have the parable uh, of the seeds, for Jesus, the nature of seeds were, were, were particularly, uh, they, they were particularly apt for communicating, for explaining the kingdom of God. Their size, their growth, uh, the way they grow, what they turn into, all of this illustrated the peculiarities, the characteristics of his kingdom. But once again, the common expectation of the kingdom was nothing like the way seeds grow. The Jewish people thought God's kingdom would come abruptly, uh, spectacularly, all at once. Everyone would see it. Everyone would know God's enemies would be, would be vanquished uh, immediately. It was this abrupt, sudden uh, breaking in of God's reign. But that's not the way seeds grow. That's not the way seeds grow. And so Jesus was going to have to reset the expectations of the Jewish people. And this gospel was perfect for doing that. This, God, this, excuse me, this parable in the gospel of Mark was perfect for that. Jesus knew what he was doing when he told parables. He knew what he was doing. He knew he was having to, uh, to, to sort of reshift 
the perspective, to, to reset the expectations, to, to help his, his hearers think outside the box a little bit because they needed to. And that's what we have precisely in this parable of the mysterious growth of the seed. And so for us, what we have to ask this morning is, how is this parable going to reset our expectations for the kingdom of God? How, how does Jesus' parable of the mysterious growth of the seed going to reset our expectations for what God is doing in our midst? That's exactly what I hope to, to share with you this morning. Uh, I have a few points that I think come up out of this text. The first one is this. The kingdom of God grows mysteriously. I've already said that. The kingdom of God grows in a mysterious way. <clears throat> Before I go any further, I, I think I, I should probably say that uh, I'm not going to be able to, to solve in a way that's maybe satisfactory to everyone what, what exactly is the kingdom of God. Uh, you might be thinking, well, you're a missionary, you're a, you're a preacher, you should, <laughs> you should know. And uh, all of us who've gone to seminary, maybe many of you who've read uh, books on, on, on God's kingdom, um, you might have an idea of, of what the kingdom... We do, but the, king, the, the idea of the kingdom of God is something that's been uh, debated, its nature, its scope. What is the relationship of the kingdom of God to the church? Are they the same or are they, are they different in some way? I can't answer all those questions, but, but let me just take a stab at it this morning at, at kind of a, a rough and ready um, definition that'll help us as we think about what the kingdom is. And I would say that the kingdom of God is essentially, it's essentially God's saving reign on earth. The kingdom of God is God's saving reign on earth. And this reign has has decisively, decisively broken in to space and time in the ministry of Jesus Christ. God's saving reign has broken into space and time in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And this reign, this, this reign that Jesus is announcing continues until all of creation will be renewed and restored. Now, if, if, if that statement is true, what I just said, that's going to help explain for us a lot of what we read in the New Testament. If we, can, if we can understand that God's kingdom is here, that it's even here present this morning at Grace Covenant, that we are, we are tasting even now the benefits, the blessings of God's kingdom as we sing, as we've been invited into to prayer, to intercede, to worship the Lord, we, we are now experiencing so much of God's kingdom. But it also suggests we, we don't fully see everything that God is going to accomplish in his kingdom. God's kingdom is yet incomplete. And so that, that if, you can under, if you can kind of grab a hold of that, as you read through the New Testament, a lot, of, a lot of the rest of the New Testament will make sense. In fact, a lot of our lives, what's happening around you and me on a day-in, day basis will make sense. Why is there so much evil in this world? Why is it the fact that if Jesus has come and he's, he's brought in God's kingdom, why is there so much, why, why is so much wrong in the world? Why is there so much wrong and, and, and evil in my own heart? And I, I confess that. There is, there is evil in my own heart. There is, there is 
There's chaos all around us, and there's chaos inside of us. And if God's kingdom is here, why is that still so? And the reason is, is because God is not yet finished. Even though his kingdom is here, he is still at work. He is still at work. And so we have this kingdom, this kingdom parable of the mysterious growth of the seed. And Jesus is going to take this mundane reality, this commonplace reality of a, of a farmer scattering seed, and he's going to fill it with spiritual meaning as he does with all of his parables. So you have a man, a farmer, he goes out into the field and he scatters seed. He, Jesus says he sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. Did you catch that? The seed sprouts and grows, and the farmer, he doesn't know how. In other words, the kingdom of God grows in a way that's completely mysterious to us. And it grows without the intervention of man. Now, that's true. I believe that's what's coming out of this parable. But let me, let me qualify that statement. To say that the kingdom of God grows without the intervention of man is true. But before we jump to conclusions and say, well, that means that you know, God is advancing his kingdom and there's nothing we, we need to do, there's nothing we can do. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying. In fact, there's much we can do in, in kingdom work. There's much we do in ministry uh, as, as, we, as we labor you know, just on a very practical level, when you think about ministry, it involves sending an email, making a phone call, text, uh, organizing a Bible study, setting up an appointment. We, we, we were talking about one-on-one -on -one ministry. Um, you know, when, when Ben does uh, RUF ministry at William & Mary, he has very practical things he has to do every single day. He has to text a student or call a student. Um, you know, all of you in, in ministry here, what you do through, through, through ministry, there, there are practical things. There, there's initiative you have to take. You know, hospitality, inviting people into your home, cooking a meal, a ministry of service, doing something, you know, bringing a meal to someone, uh, setting up a time to, to, to have a gospel conversation with a neighbor, with a friend. Uh, giving a Bible to someone. All of this takes initiative. All of it takes forethought. And so I don't think Jesus is saying, you know, the kingdom of God is like this farmer goes out, he sows the seed, he sleeps, and, and the kingdom grows, and he doesn't do anything. In a sense, that's true. However, God does use means. He does use instrumentality, if you will. But this parable helps us get perspective it helps us get perspective on how the kingdom ultimately grows. And it doesn't grow ultimately, ultimately, by what you or I do. It grows, in fact, as Jesus says in his parable, while we sleep. It grows while we sleep. It grows in a way that, that we don't know how. It grows when and where sometimes we, we have no we have, no, we have no knowledge of it we, in, in ways that we least expect it. What we can do is, is, 
is by God's grace, do what God has given us to do, to take the initiative, as I said, to make these make calls, to prepare a Bible study. You know, we study, we pray to do that, we call up people, we cook a meal. There's, there's all kinds of things we can do. Um, but ultimately, all of that, what does all of that serve? That serves something that is completely independent of us, and that is the growth of the kingdom of God. Jesus uses a word here uh, in the original language, and he says that the earth produces all by itself. And in the original language, uh, all by itself uh, is, the, is the word automate. And you can see immediately that's where we get our word automatic from, automatic. You know, things, something that's automatic, it just, just happens, it's automatic. And Jesus is saying the, the, earth, the, the earth produces automate. Seeds grow automate. They, they just grow all by themselves. The earth produces this way. A seed pulls in moisture and, and nutrients, and then it, uh, you know, for those of you who studied plants, it, photosynthesis, it, it converts sunlight to energy. All of that is, is, is automate. We have, we have no intervention in that. And so that's what Jesus is communicating here, that the seed grows by a, prom, by, a, by a process that the farmer has nothing to do with and in a way that he doesn't observe at all. The kingdom grows mysteriously. Here's a question. What should knowing that do for us? <laughs> what should knowing that, how does that help us as we think about our kingdom work? Well, I think it, it could comfort us, first of all. Knowing this can, in some sense, put us at ease. Um, you know, we, we don't know how. We don't, we don't see how it happens. We can't explain how the kingdom grows, just like the farmer. He goes to sleep at night. But that's okay, because God does. God does know. God is at work. In, in, in Senegal... Um, right before we came back to the States, Surrey and I, we, we got back to the States about a month ago, and uh, we, we had planned some activities. We had planned uh, our, our normal Bible study, weekly Bible study. We'd also planned, we, I was speaking about a, our large group uh, activity where we gather students. We had planned that uh, right before we were, we were going to leave to come back on our home ministry assignment. We were all excited. We'd done all of our due diligence, as, as we normally try to do to organize those things. And then um, the students started rioting. <laughs> they started setting fire to classrooms. Um, they started looting the cafeteria. They, started, they set fire to, to cars, to buses. The police, uh, the national police intervened. They were firing tear gas at the students. Students were throwing rocks. Uh, we, we live really close to the university, so tear gas was floating into our apartment. <laughs> but, but just mayhem, mayhem broke out right before we came back here. There's, Senegal has been going through a lot of political instability. And I, can't, I can't go into all the, the reasons for that right now. But, but it, 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 it directly affected the students. They, 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 they were very, they're very sensitive to what was going on politically. And, and the university just became like ground zero for all the chaos. And, and what happened is, is the university had to close right before we came back. 
And, and many of our students actually live in small villages, and so they all left. So why am I telling you this? Because right before we came back, everything just shut down. Our ministry just stopped. And, you know, we had, we had all these plans, and it was like, oh, gosh, Lord. And, and it, was, it was a moment of realization that, that none of this was in our control. And in fact, what I've learned the longer I've stayed in West Africa, and we haven't been there too long, but I'm long enough for me to start to realize that the more I try to control ministry, and I think this would be the same here, the more that's just a recipe for, for going insane. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, we, we have no control. We have no control. It, you know, it's, it's, and so this, this is, this was something I needed. And as I, and as I read this parable, I started to realize this parable comforts me in a way that, that, that I need to realize that the kingdom of God is growing in a way that's, that's totally independent of me, in a way that's mysterious to me, in a way that I have no control over. And that, that's encouraging. And I'm sure uh, you could say the same thing. I'm sure Ben or Camper, uh, who minister here at Grace Covenant, could say the same thing. Ministry sometimes is totally out of our control. <laughs> you know, what, what God is doing in our midst but there's, there's consolation in that. There's hope. And it's found in this parable because the kingdom of God grows in a way that's not dependent upon us. It's not in our control. We can't always observe what God is doing because often what God is doing, it's inside of hearts. Just like the seed is inside the ground. It's deep in the ground. And the farmer can't see the seed, how it's growing. And I can't, this morning, I can't see into your hearts. I don't know what God is doing in your hearts. But one thing I do know, he is doing something in your hearts. And that's his kingdom work. It's a glorious, mysterious work. But it's wonderful. Even in the frustration of not, of losing control of ministry, as we often do in West Africa, uh, it's good for us to remind ourselves, for Suri and I to remind ourselves that God is in control, that he is at work, and that he is doing us, and that we can find our joy in, in just releasing that to the Lord, knowing that he is at work. So, so let's be at rest like the farmer. The farmer goes to bed at night. Did you catch that in the parable? The farmer goes to bed. He, he goes out, he scatters the seed, and then he goes home and he goes to bed. Sometimes I have to force myself to go to bed. <laughs> Some of you might say, what? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, no, it's true. Sometimes I just like, I'm, I'm, I, sometimes I get kind of a second wind at night and I just, I just wake up and it's late, but I know I got to go to bed. And I need to go to bed. Why? Because I need to release the day. I need to release the day to the Lord and just go to bed. When you go to bed, you sleep, I sleep, what, six, seven, eight hours for most of us. You ever think about the fact that when you're sleeping, you're effectively dead? <laughs> you are. 
I mean, you're not dead, but you're effectively dead. What do I mean by that? When you sleep, when I sleep, you, we, you and I have, have absolutely no control over anything. We can't think, we can't talk to anyone, we can't plan anything, we can't do anything, we, we, we can't pray, we're not praying, I mean, we dream. We're, we're, we're essentially dead to everything around us for six to seven hours every single day of our lives. And it's, it's a way, I think, in some ways, that God has built into creation of us a, a sense of humility, that, 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 that there's a segment of our lives, and if you, if you add up our sleep over our entire lives, it's a lot of hours. And so what God is kind of saying is, you know, over, over a, a big portion of your life, you do nothing. You do nothing. But just like the farmer goes to bed at night and the seed grows, we do nothing, but God never sleeps, he never slumbers, as the psalmist says. God is always at work, even when we sleep. So let's be at rest. The second thing, and I'll, I'll try to move through these next couple points more quickly. The second thing is that God, God's kingdom grows incrementally. It grows little by little. Jesus says, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. It's It's incremental. Jesus is describing a process of how that that wheat uh, or that corn stalk, whatever it is, how that grows. It's it's incremental. And again, if you were to stare at that every day, you you wouldn't see it growing, but but it does grow. It's slow. It's methodical. Nothing nothing grows all at once. The seed doesn't grow all at once. You and I, we don't grow. nothing, Nothing organic, nothing grows all at once. And neither does God's kingdom. God's kingdom sometimes grows maddeningly slow. <laughs> Are we okay with that? Are we okay with that? Jesus might not come back for another thousand years. He might come back this afternoon. But he might come back five, six, eight hundred thousand, two thousand years from now. Are we okay with that? We need to be, because none of us knows. The disciples in the, in the, in the New Testament, there's, 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 I mean, there's a lot of evidence to believe that disciples, they, they most likely anticipated that Jesus would come back, perhaps even in their lifetime, there's different ways. I'm, I'm not going to get into eschatology. <laughs> uh, but there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense when you read the New Testament that the disciples in the early church had an expectation that Jesus was going to come back very soon, maybe within their lifetime. But we're 2,000 years and counting now, and Jesus still hasn't come back. But he is. We just don't know when. And what that tells us is, is that God's kingdom... It's growing at his pace, at his rate, on his time scale. Are we okay with that? Because we, we need to be, because you and I, ultimately, we're, we're a blip. If you, if you stretch out the God's timeline, you and I, we're a blip. We're, we're the, the, the minutest fraction of time on, on God's timeline of his kingdom. 
God's kingdom grows slowly. Sometimes, there, sometimes it grows spectacularly. There are, there are times of renewal and revival. Uh, in, in the history of church, wonderful, refreshing movements of the Spirit. But, but by and large, if you, if you study church history, God's kingdom grows incrementally. And I, and I would wager to guess that's true here in Williamsburg. But that's okay, because it's, it's, we're on God's timetable. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But then the sickle is laid to the harvest. And so the third point I think comes up out of this sermon is that God's kingdom grows towards a goal. There's an objective. It is, there is, there is a, a terminal point where Jesus will invade history, space, and time once again and bring his kingdom to an end. The Lord Jesus who came bringing this, this sometimes mysterious and maddening, <laughs> maddeningly mysterious kingdom, he has assured us that he will gloriously come back and, and, and bring it to a consummation, to an end. Jesus is the kingdom's king. But here's, here's the, the irony of this. And it's, again, this gets back to what I was saying about the expectations of the Jewish people. Jesus who brought this kingdom, something happened to him that no one expected. The king of this kingdom was delivered up to death. The king of this kingdom laid down his life in the way kings normally don't do. The king of this kingdom came to taste death and he swallowed, he swallowed it, he swallowed it whole. And because he died, death will not have victory over you or I. Amen? And that's the king of this kingdom did that for us. That's what no one was expecting. But that's what we now learn as we read the Bible, as we open up the scriptures, and as we read, we realize that Jesus, this king, has done something so astounding and remarkable against all expectations. And what this, does, what this tells us is that not only, not only did he die, he rose again and he ascended to his Father in heaven and he now reigns and intercedes for us and he has promised that he will come again. And just as Jesus says in his parable that the sickle will be laid to the harvest, Jesus will come back. And again, we don't know when it will be, but he is coming back. Bank on it. I, I would wager to guess you are here this morning, there's, there's, there's a lot of things you could be doing this morning. There's a lot of places people like to be on a Sunday morning. But you showed up here at Grace Covenant because, because somewhere you know that, that what we're reading here is true. This is the true story of the world. And you're here this morning because you know that Jesus one day will come back. And each Sunday when you gather here at Grace Covenant, and when we gather to worship in Senegal, we know this is, each Sunday is like a dress rehearsal. It's a dress rehearsal for the wedding feast of the Lamb of God, when he will come again and gather us all around his banquet table. And each Sunday when you come here, it's as if you're saying, we're, we're going to rehearse this once again because we know where we're going and we will be with Jesus forever. 
And that's, that's, that's what Jesus is saying in this parable, that the harvest will come. It's growing towards a goal. Unlike jazz, the kingdom of God resolves. <laughs> I, I, I like jazz. I'm not a jazz specialist, but I, I do like it. But there's something, what's curious about if you're a music, if you study music, jazz doesn't resolve. It's like you're listening to it and you're like, you know, it's just, it's just, it's strange that way. It's, it's awesome, but it doesn't resolve in a way, way other types of music do. So it's, it's, to me, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, but the kingdom of God isn't like that. There's everything about the kingdom of God is, is, is aching and bursting to say, this will one day resolve. And even though we, can, we know that the kingdom is here and it's now and we are experiencing it and tasting it, we know, as I, as I said earlier, that everything is not all put to right yet. That there is still evil in this world and there's still evil in us and in me. And it will resolve. So tomorrow when you wake up, go into the fields once again and throw the seed into the field. And through prayer, through conversation, through hospitality, through offering a word of encouragement, through offering a Bible to a friend, through teaching a Bible study, whatever it is you do in the kingdom, know that God is at work even when you can't see it. The last thing I'd like to say is that if, if you're here this morning and uh, you have, you're like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. <laughs> I have no idea what it, the kingdom of God, what exactly is that? If, if you're here and you don't, you don't really understand what the message of, the Christ, of Christianity is and what the kingdom of God is, that's okay, first of all. Um, Here's the thing I want to say to you. The most important thing about the kingdom of God isn't so much the kingdom. It's the king of the kingdom. And his name is Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, I, I would encourage you this morning to, uh, to, to, to talk. Don't leave here without knowing. Talk to uh, camper or, or Ben or, or the elders or deacons here or even just someone sitting next to you, just, just say, hey, you know what? I, I just want to know more about who Jesus is because I, I don't fully understand what the kingdom of God is, but, but I'm curious and I want to be a part of that. Don't leave here without asking. God is at work and we can trust in him. He, Jesus is coming back. And even if we don't fully understand what he's doing in our own, in our own hearts and in, in his work, he is building his kingdom. And we can rest in that. So would you rest in that this morning and this afternoon? Amen.